Uh, my name's Rex Hartman, for those of you I haven't met yet. I wrote all these things down to say, so it shouldn't take long. Um, I want to start out tonight by uh, uh, telling you a little bit of personal information about me, how I came to know the Lord, um, and some other things, so in case we, you know, we talk later, you don't have to ask as many questions. <laughs> I'm going to start out by reading uh, from Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great crowd was gathered together to him, so that going on board ship, he sat in the sea. I need to hold this closer. <laughs> and the crowd were close to the sea on the land. He taught them many things in parables, and he said to them in his doctrine, Hearken. Behold, the sower went forth to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, one fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it, and another fell on the rocky ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprung up out of the ground, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun arose, it was burnt up, and because of its not having any root, it withered. And another fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and yielded no fruit. And another fell to, into good ground and yielded fruit, growing up and increasing, and bore one thirty, one sixty, and one a hundred. And he said, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And uh, I'll, I'll read the rest of that in a few. I just, J.J. reminded me of that when he said, uh, when we, we go out and we disperse the word into people's hearts, and that's actually... Uh, in relation to how I came to know the Lord. Some people have testimonies that in, at some point in their life they realized, uh, or I should say that they responded very suddenly to the gospel, and they know immediately when they believed. Uh, I'm not so uh, clear of thought to have done that. <laughs> um, my testimony is, is somewhat of the nature that over a progress of time, I came to, to respond slowly to the truth, and eventually, around uh, March 2010, uh, I, I knew it, was, it became very clear. So I'm going to go back to my early childhood through like junior high age. Um, basically, I grew up in an unbelieving home. Uh, my mom had had some kind of Methodist background, but never really presented with the gospel. It was more of a church function. Uh, my dad had had multiple experiences with church throughout his life, but mostly uh, Roman Catholicism in southern Texas. And uh, so neither of them were believers. I wasn't a believer. Uh, Sunday morning, the best part I looked forward to was the, uh, what do you call it, the printed cartoons that were in color from the newspaper. I was like, the best because we got donuts, and I would read those, and the sun would shine through the window in our, our, our house. It was great. But that was, that was my Lord's Day, you know, reading cartoons and things like that. Uh, we, had no we had no religion. We had no uh, exposure to the light. Never went to church. Holidays such as Easter were never explained or, or remember or anything like that. Christmas was uh, a chance to give gifts and things like that. But nothing, uh, nothing to do with the Lord or uh, anything relating to God in any version of a religion. So, but I recognize looking back at myself... I had faith, um, and I don't mean faith as in uh, I knew who the Lord was. I mean faith as in I, I believed things. Uh, I don't know if anyone else came to the public school. Uh, I, I did until eighth grade. My parents put me into a, a private Christian school. They were they were talking about uh, at some point. I think about third fourth grade. 
the, the Greek and Roman pantheon of gods. And I remember thinking, yeah, look, looking back, you know, that sounds legit. <laughs> that sounds like a thing that can happen. You know, there's all these gods for other things, like for uh, the sun and the moon and the stars and for seasons. So I recognized looking back, I believed things. Now, they weren't true, but I believed them. Uh, I'm going to fast forward into ninth grade, and that's when my father, in efforts to reform my awful wayward behavior as a young man, uh, it wasn't that bad, but it was kind of bad. <laughs> it was, uh, he, he put me into a small private Christian school, and by small I mean the student body I think was 50. My graduating class was in number two, which I was one of those two. <laughs> I did graduate. And, uh, Victorian. <laughs> Beat out the other girl. Um, but uh, my first experiences were in ninth grade at, at, a, at a Baptist church. It was, uh, for those of you who are familiar with other denominations, it was an independent, fundamental Baptist church. Um, and that's where I first started to hear anything about anything that had to do with organized uh, religious beliefs, anything that had to do with the Bible specifically, anything that had to do with Christ. So uh, I was, oh, I forgot to mention, I was not a smart child. <laughs> not a smart child at all. Very inattentive, I would, I would say. Uh, things would happen and they just didn't sink in. I, I would observe the information because I'm very observant. But observing and processing that information, two different things. Uh, <laughs> so I just, I just didn't get things. Um, so in ninth grade, I, you know, I started hearing things about the Bible. They would have Bible classes. We would have to memorize verses. And just like the parable of the sower, the, the word of the Lord started to implant itself into my heart. I don't, didn't realize it then, but looking back, I can see that. Um, so ninth through twelfth grade, that's me growing up in a very, very strict sect of Christianity uh, with very tight regulations on what they teach is right and wrong. Um, and that's, that's my original experience. So um, they teach a variety of things. Uh, it's not, not, necessary, not necessary to get into, but uh, needless to say, we're familiar with what strict means. So you know, women are dressed very uh, conservatively and men are dressed like this daily. Uh, for all sorts of events. Um, anyways, moving on. I, I'll say uh, I went to Pensacola Christian College after that, and that was, uh, that was another experience. It's, it's, again, a strict environment because you go from one that condones another strict environment. That's where I went. Um, I didn't do so well there. Academically, was okay. I didn't do so well because, again, still not very attentive. So when they said things have to do, be done in such a manner and very with the strict, rigid rules, now that I was on my own without uh, my parents you know, keeping an eye over me telling what to do, it didn't, didn't thrive under the, the rule system there. I, that doesn't mean I was uh, going out and blatantly defying everything they were doing, but, you know, didn't always clean my room. I was definitely not on, on time to all my classes. Uh, but in the Christian college, there was more light given to me. Uh, we would study the Bible. I remember one of the most interesting classes I took was on the book of Hebrews. 
where he would just where the, the teacher would describe how Christ is better than the angels, how Christ is better than the prophets, how Christ is better than the Levitical system of worship, which I knew nothing about at that point. So more light was being given to me as I responded to it, but it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. Uh, I couldn't see Christ in everything. And Christ wasn't a person that I knew and communicated with. There was little to no prayer life. At, at points, there would be brokenness, I would say, uh, but there wasn't, there wasn't full understanding about who the Lord was and what he had done. And again, I couldn't see him in the details of the scripture. Uh, I would say because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the predominant focus of the people that were teaching me. Um, but I'll say this, uh, I ended up in New Jersey after that, and in March 2010, I had already been teaching Sunday school for about half a year at an Ocean County Baptist church, and in March 2010, I was teaching on the life of Abraham, and uh, we were in Genesis chapter 12, and in Genesis 12, I believe that's where Abraham, because he believed God, left everything. He left the, the Persian area. And he went out west. And uh, as Abraham believed God, he acted on it. And I, I guess I was sitting in church, and I was a little distraught that evening. Uh, and I think I asked myself, do I believe these things? Uh, do I believe the things that I've been reading in the Bible class I've been teaching to 7th and 8th grade? Do I believe the things that I've read in the entirety of the scripture all these years, it had never dawned on me to actually assess what I think about the scripture until uh, you know, my late 20s. And then uh, it was clear, I, I do believe these things. I do believe that, uh, that all the miracles that happen that are recorded in the scripture are true. I do believe these things. And then I would recall uh, as I began to studied more deeply the word of God, I recalled uh, a lot of things that were like um, in Romans. As Paul would say to the church at Rome, how that God had delivered them to destruction in Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sins. I'd recall these things, and then there was light. And it wasn't light like uh, you know, some unfamiliar religious experience. It was light as if I could see the Lord in the details of the scripture now. That from beginning to end, I could see how the Lord was working or being pictured. A lot of what became clear to me was the typology. A specific example would be the uh, in the tabernacle. Uh, this is something that stuck out to me when I was, uh, when I was studying the word. In the tabernacle, when uh, you, you talk about the, the beaten work of the candlestick. And to me, there it is, right? In plain, plain as day, the Lord had to be beaten to show forth his beauty and to shine. That it had to be crushed olive oil put into there. And where was the Lord praying as his spirit was being crushed in the olive press in Gethsemane? So these things became, became abundantly clear to me afterwards. And as, as I would grow deeper in study, this is, this is 2010 to you know, present, as I would grow deeper in study, I came to know the Lord for who he is. And, you know, I, I kind of 
shortcutted what I had planned to say, not because of time, but because I forgot it all. Because <laughs> I'm nervous. Um, but then I just want to mention one other thing. This in-depth study to, into God's word uh, led to other conclusions that led me to disagree with the, the, the church I had been going to. And I'm not getting into details, and I'm not condemning. Um, but eventually there are certain things, such as the weekly breaking of bread. Part of what I was doing was studying the tabernacle uh, very closely. And uh, I, I, could, I can now see I, with clarity the pictures of Christ. There's only one door. There's only one way through the, the veil. There's only one veil to be rent. The veil was his flesh. Never saw that before in Hebrews. Um, and when they would break bread in the tabernacle every week, and when they would, uh, when, when, when Melchizedek met Abraham with bread and wine, when Joseph met the baker and the butler, all these things came together. And the breaking of bread was one thing that was abundant to me. And in Acts, when you see them meeting every week on the Lord's Day, I said, you know, we don't break bread every week. And it's not something that I thought that they were necessarily doing wrong, but I thought something that I wanted to do. And there was also the structure of the hierarchy of the church. Um, when Paul writes, he writes to the elders, if it's to a congregation, to the elders here, to the elders there, <laughs> to the elders everywhere. No, <laughs> he would write to the elders. He would write to a group of, uh, of people, and it wasn't just one person. And um, most evangelical-oriented churches, or I would say churches in general, use a, a senior pastor model. And uh, it's, it's something that, I thought I wanted to. I would like to be part of an organization that has, as you know, as as uh, elder governed. And I eventually, um, I started going to Bible studies at Bethany Bible Chapel in New Jersey. And it was also during this process I had I'd been convinced that in my teen years, when I was going to the Baptist Church in Colorado, also I'm from Colorado, <laughs> originally. <laughs> I did mention that. Um, <laughs> I, I had been baptized when I was probably ninth grade, but I had been convicted through all this study that, you know, I think it was before I believed, or at least if it wasn't before I believed, it was before everything was clear to me. So I was baptized again in Bethany Bible Chapel in like uh, January, February, February, I want to say. And uh, since then, the Lord has continued to lead me and to grow me. And uh, one of the ways he's done so is to teach me more things and reveal himself to me through his word. And that has been the most fulfilling thing that I think I could imagine. Um, just to know the things that he will reveal to us through his spirit and just to guide us with his truth is, is very fulfilling. And uh, I don't think I've experienced anything so satisfying in my entire life prior to this. I doubt I'll experience anything more satisfying after that. Um, but I also want to say that he led me here uh, very precariously through um, one of the elders in my chapel. Um, his name is Mark Colchin. Uh, Mark had, had advised me when I was planning on visiting another brother who has a condo in Boca Raton 
to go to a CMML conference and uh, you know to just study the Bible. You know, there's going to be special speakers and missionaries there. So I said, that sounds good. I like the Bible. I like meeting new people. And this is just at a time when I had just joined uh, a new church. So this will be fun. There'll be people from assemblies all over the uh, the state there. And so I went, and then I met a variety of people, amongst whom uh, one is sitting right there. Um, <clears throat> later on, I, I, I think it was a week later, I went down to Boca Raton to visit um, the man's name is Chris Cabucci, and Mark Colton was also down here, and Mark just happened to be speaking at this chapel on a Wednesday night. So I went with him, because I wasn't doing anything. And also, I like to hear Mark say things about the Bible, because he has very good points. <laughs> And so I ended up here again, and lo and behold, uh, lo and behold, <laughs> I just realized I said that. <laughs> Here's just another person here again. So we ended up hanging out, and then uh, I kind of never stopped talking to her after that. But that's how, and, and it was interesting because I wouldn't have pictured myself living in South Florida uh, five months ago, six, seven months ago or any time prior to that. Um, but I can see now uh, how the Lord has been leading me and how he drew me to himself slowly through over the, cor or the, over the course of time. And uh, I'm going to finish in Mark 4. And when he was alone, those about him with the twelve asked him as, he, uh, as to the parables. And he said to them, To you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to them who are without, all things are done in parables, that beholding they may that beholding they may not see, and hearing they, might, they may hear not and, understand, and not understand, lest it may be that they should be converted and they should be forgiven. And he says to them, Do you not know this parable? I lost it. And how you will be acquainted with all the parables. And the sower sows the word. And so the sower, I believe, is the Lord, and he sows his word. And these are they by the wayside where the word was, is sown, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are they in manner who are sown upon rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves. But are for a time then tri tribulation arising, or persecution on the account of the word, immediately they are offended. And others, and others are they who are sown among the thorns. These are they who have heard the word, and the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes, it becomes unfruitful. And these are they who have been given sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bear fruit 130, 160, and 100 fold. And the only point uh, I wanted to make by reading that passage is that for me, I believe that the word was sown and at some point in my life between teenage years and uh, in March, I believed. I, that's what I truly believe. Um, I don't know when, and I don't, I don't pride myself on knowing when because I don't know a lot of things about myself. <laughs> I forget a lot of things. However, um, I will liken my spiritual experience in coming to believe to this. It's as if uh, I had been a plant growing under a rock with no sunlight, uh, no accessible source to nutrients and very little water. And then in March 2010, when I realized that I definitively believe the things that I had uh, been practicing and that I believe in the gospel, in the word, and everything that is written, uh, 
it was as if that was rolled away and then now the plant of my faith could receive sunlight and it could grow and it's been growing ever since so that's all i have to say tonight